Eight of us from Calvary went on a mission trip to New York City this past week. Each day that we worked, Monday through Thursday, our commute to the elementary school where we painted was an hour each way. From the Manhattan Seminary where we stayed, we walked a few blocks to the, t- to the subway, took one train to the Times Square station where we transferred to another train to complete our ride to Queens. On that train, after we bounced along under the East River, we climbed high above the ground and then we could look down on the roofs of the industrial buildings. And you can guess what we saw. Graffiti. Graffiti everywhere. I wish you could have seen it. We tried to read the tags, and every now and then we could, but um, as with the graffiti in Roanoke, a lot of it is too wild to be readable. The artists, I'll put that in quotes, knew what they were trying to say, but it wasn't obvious to the untrained eye. John's Gospel is a favorite of many, but of the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, John's can also sometimes be like colorful, symbolic, illegible graffiti. I think John must have been an artist. Artists see beyond the surface. They see to deeper meanings, and John's writing is full of symbolism. Those of you who participated in Vacation Bible School this year uh, will remember the archaeological song, Dig Deep, Dig Deep. And that's what we have to do when reading the Bible, but especially when reading John. The Gospel of John attempts to help us understand who Jesus is. Twenty-eight times in this Gospel, Jesus says, I am something. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. I am the light of the world. Today's I am passage occurs the day after Jesus has fed 5,000 people, about 40 times the number in this room. And he began with five loaves of bread, and two fish. Now that caught the attention of a few people. And so there are people gathered around Jesus trying to comprehend what happened that amazing day. And as they're gathered, Jesus takes them deeper. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread that came down from heaven. Some Jews started complaining. They thought they knew who Jesus was. Isn't this Mary and Joseph's boy? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? It's as if they were looking for some way to dismiss Jesus. And familiarity was their excuse. 
perhaps unknowingly, we do the same thing. We find ways to dismiss what Jesus says because the things he says make us uncomfortable. They make us shift in our seats a little bit. They make us avert our eyes. We dismiss his words by saying, well, things were different then, so what he said doesn't apply to us today. Or, I'm going to do what he says, but after I get a job and I'm making good money, or after the kids are older, or after I retire... Or, I attend church, and I tithe 11% of my income, so I can ignore that other stuff. In these ways, we dismiss what Jesus says. And when we say such things and do such things, that's when we make room for the devil. The devil, the evil one, Satan, however we term evil. Here's what I mean. Say you and some friends are sitting around a table at a restaurant. And another one of your friends comes in alone. Well, what do you do? You scoot over and say, come on, join us. We've got space. You make room for your friend. The writer of the letter to the Ephesian church speaks very practically about how followers of Christ should live, making room not for the devil, but for Jesus. When we don't tell the truth, when we don't talk about our anger, and when we don't work hard so we can share what we earn, We put aside our Christian integrity and we make room for the devil. No, we are told, leave no foothold for the devil to inch his way inside you and inside your activities. Don't scoot over and make room for him to join you at the table. Our tables should be reserved for Jesus the living bread. Back to the gospel, Jesus' listeners would have recognized his reference to manna when he said, your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness and yet died. Now, they didn't die because they ate the manna. When Moses and the Hebrew people had escaped from Egypt, they got hungry, just like we do on our trips. But there was no place to get a burger or a salad. So God provided food for them. Every morning, when the people went out of their tents, they found a bread-like substance on the ground. And they called this bread from heaven. They called it manna. Literally, it means, what is it? They didn't know what it was, but it was enough. It was enough to get them through the day. Just as if we ate our fill of bread one day, we would be hungry the next. Even after a good breakfast, most of here are probably already ready for lunch. Like us, they get hungry again. 
and they needed new bread every day. And still, even though they had daily bread, those people died. Jesus is living bread. Bread that gives life everlasting, not for our bodies, but for our souls. Our souls are hungry for God, not just ours. Every human has a soul hungry for something that can only be nourished and filled by God. And God has given us Jesus as bread for our souls. Will Willimon says it like this. It's about Jesus. It's about getting personal with Jesus. Surely that is at least one of the insights provided by this Sunday's gospel from the enigmatic gospel of John. Jesus has fed the multitudes, and he has created a controversy. Where did this man get so much bread? How does he have the miraculous power to perform such a sign? Yet all this comes to a head when Jesus pronounces, You want to be fully satisfied? Satisfied for all eternity? Then feed on me. I am bread. The crowds clamoring after Jesus want bread. He gives them bread. More than bread. He offers them himself. The crowd wants to get their hunger satisfied. He urges them to cultivate a hunger for him. I am bread. Now, it would have been more comfortable if Jesus had said to them, Now that you have eaten your fill of miraculous bread, let me give you a lecture on the essential beliefs of the Christian faith. He doesn't do that. He says, Eat me, feed on me. Take me the same way you would take a good meal. In a sermon, John Henry Newman noted that most people are persuaded in religious matters, not by garrulous reason, he said, the arguments found in books and systems of thought, but rather they are persuaded by other people. Carrying this further, a pastor who has published many books wrote a little meditation on why Christians are against email. Now, that made me uncomfortable to read. I use email a lot, but she says that Christians must mightily resist the tendency towards email because we are a religion of the incarnation. We believe that God has come to us in the flesh. We are big on bodies. 
We don't believe that there can be any true communication worthy of the name, no communion, no community without bodies. Today's gospel is a reminder that the Christian faith is more than a set of beliefs, a list of intellectual propositions. It is a matter of being encountered by a person, Jesus. It's a matter of God getting personal with us, engaging us, taking over our lives, possessing us. For those who want to fill their stomachs that day with Jesus or to have a pleasant discussion about spiritual matters, Jesus says to them, to us, I'm the bread of life. Feed on me. Will Willimon, who is Methodist, also writes about a woman who spent much of her life trying to figure out whether or not she was a Christian. She's a very intellectual sort of person, very intelligent, and yet she had real troubles with various Christian beliefs. Saying the Apostles' Creed on Sundays for her was often a painful experience. And then one day she said to Willimon, Well, I've just decided to stop thinking about Jesus and start living With Jesus. I've decided that though there is so much that mystifies and troubles me about what I don't know about Jesus, I need to go with what I do know, which is Jesus. Now, if we decide to do that, to stop thinking about Jesus and start living with Jesus, that's when it helps to turn to practical scriptures like the passage from Ephesians 4 and 5. If you would dare to do some homework, I challenge you to read this passage from Ephesians every day this week and explore what you could do to become a more faithful Christian. Just like when we get married, when we choose to follow Jesus, there are things to which we say, I do, and things to which we say, I don't. Now, following Jesus, do speak the truth. Do get angry, but deal with it the same day. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do use your words for building up people. Do not let evil talk come out of your mouth. In other words, don't degrade people in front of their face or behind their back. Don't pass along gossip. When you experience feelings of bitterness and anger and slander, do put them away. Don't act on them. Do be kind to one another and forgive each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Not will forgive you. Has 
forgiven you. When we do the things that should be on the don't list, that's when we make room for the devil. That's when we give the devil a foothold to climb into the driver's seat wherever and and then go drive us wherever he wants us to go. But if we're doing good things, we don't have the time or energy to do bad things. As I thought more about those kids in the city who spend their time and energy painting graffiti on the walls of the buildings, it seems to me they want to be known for something. Their artwork, they want their tag out there or their name. They want to be known. And what I'm guessing they don't realize is that they are known by God. By the God who created the universe and every single one of them. Our mission trip to paint rooms in an elementary school building was just a part of the larger picture. Because there, not far from the school where we were, was Oasis Christian Center. And Oasis Christian Center has built a relationship with that principal and with the staff members. And now is building relationships with some of the students through basketball camps this summer. So our work was a work of goodwill. It was a foothold, you might say, not for the devil, but for Jesus. We went to make room for Jesus. The people who attend and work through Oasis Oasis Christian Center will minister to these kids and to their families. They will get personal with them. They will make Jesus Christ real to them. God knows us too and fills us with bread and fills us with life for eternity through Jesus Christ. Get personal with Jesus. Know him and invite him to know you. And then share that bread, that bread of heaven with a hungry world. May God give us courage and strength as Calvary Baptist Church to be bread for this world. May we pray. Holy God, you are the one to whom we may bring the whole of our lives, for you know us already. And so we bring to you this day our gratitude for life, for your grace, for creation. Receive our thanks. We bring to you this day also what grieves us, children who starve, Wars that go on and on. Injustice that favors the rich and ignores the poor. Receive our lament. 
We bring to you this day also our trust, for you are the one who seeks the good of us and all. You are the one in whose hands rest creation and the future. You are the one whose love is our hope and our home. Receive our trust and enable us to serve as those through whom you bring answer to prayer and faith to life. In Jesus Christ, amen.